Good morning, Mountain Park. How are we? Good. I'm so glad. If you're joining us from the online campus, we're glad to have you here and celebrate Mother's Day with you. So I just want to say that um, somebody asked me today, so how are you celebrating Mother's Day? And I'm like, I'm leaving my family in Prescott and going to Ikea. So after this... <laughs> There is shopping in my future. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm so thrilled to be here to celebrate with you. I think we have a picture, actually, of my family. Ah, they're cute, right? So, um, right? We're a Christian community, right? They're cute. Okay, thank you. Wow. That is my husband of uh, next week will be 29 years of marriage, which is very exciting. Yes. For some of you, you're like, that's not a long time. But for me, that is the longest that any of my marriages have lasted. So I'm really, it's a big deal for me. That is our daughter, Judah. She is 20. And our son, Josiah, who is 17. And for those of you who are young moms, I had people scare me when they talked about teenagers. They really did. They had all these, they're rebellious. It's the worst. It's such a hard season. And the truth is, I actually like these people. Um, I actually heard a speaker say one time that she felt like the reason that God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac when he was 12 is if he'd been 13, it really wouldn't have been much of a sacrifice. <laughs> I just remember thinking, oh gosh. But, um, but indeed, uh, I like them, and I'm glad that I disagree with that for sure. So I thought I'd start off with a giveaway. So indeed, Jan talked about the fact that I'm an author. This week, I actually gave literary birth to two books. Two books launched this week, which is exciting. Praise the Lord. And I thought I would give away one of the books because nothing says Mother's Day like a discount. So I'm very excited about that. So I know we want to celebrate all moms, all people who pour into others' lives, all the things. But I thought I would I thought I would drill down and maybe ask if you're a foster mom, if, you're, if you foster a child, would you stand up? All right. Perfect. So glad we started so strong. Okay. Um, how about if you are a mom who is adopted? You're an adoptive mom, which in my, in my world, that's superhero. Fantastic. So I have one here. Do I have any back here? I, I think this is it. So congratulations, you are the winner, winner, chicken dinner. Thank you for doing what you do. You can see me afterwards, that is great. So when my kids were little, um, which is kind of hard to imagine now that they're so grown, but when they were little, they used to draw pictures all the time. And oftentimes Sunday school teachers would say, why don't you draw a picture of your mother, right? And I actually kept one from each of them. Judah, our daughter, who is loud and vivacious and borderline obnoxious. I don't know where she gets it from. It's really weird. Probably my mother-in-law. But anyway. <laughs> um, hi, Mom. Uh, so uh, she would draw me... Um, Always, first of all, with huge lips. Like, I don't, I mean, like Angelina Jolie would have been mortified. I mean, they were ginormous, so I don't know if I smooched her a lot or whatever. And, um, and huge hair, which is not shocking. I've looked like the lead singer of uh, Poison since 1989, so I get the hair. But she made me with the longest arms, like gangly, like creepy arms. I don't, I don't know where she got that from. Hugging, maybe, I don't know. Um, our son always, um, even though the eyes would be wonky and the, sometimes I'd have ears, sometimes I wouldn't, he always made sure that my heart was giant, which I think is so cool. And I saved those not because they were complimentary, because they were not. It actually, my, my self-esteem took quite a hit looking at those pictures. However, 
I think it's important to recognize how my kids see me. And if you're a parent or a, a teacher or a Cub Scout leader or a neighbor, aunt or uncle, you, it's important to see how the kids, you know, see you. And I think it's equally important or even more so for us to look at how we see God or how others see God. I am such a visual learner. And I love when somebody paints a beautiful picture of God. When, you, when you're able to go to a museum and you see how people visualize God or visualize Jesus, it's so encouraging to me. So I am so excited on this fine Mother's Day that we get to dive into God's word and we, need to, we get to look at a picture of God that Moses actually painted for us. So if you um, have a Bible, if you would open it to, or if you have it on your phone, you can turn it to, um, Deuteronomy 32. If you just want to hang out and look at the screen, you're welcome to do that as well. But this is such a, such a beautiful picture. So if you'll hang out with me for a minute, let's dive into this and let's look at what we can extract from it as parents, as influencers. And again, I, I love the fact that all of us, nobody's exempt. Gentlemen, you can't say, well, I'm a dude, so I'm going to check out like a library book. You can't do that. We're all in this as, the, as, a, as a community of believers. So starting with verse 10, Deuteronomy 32 says, In a desert land he found him. And I'm going to stop right there. Moses had a lot of mileage on his faith vehicle. He and God had been through a lot together. So when he speaks about this relationship, when he paints this picture of God, it's so vivid, but it's also hard-lived. So he says, In a desert land he found him. In a barren and howling waste. He shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young. Ooh, that visual is so fantastic. That spreads its wings to catch them and carries them on its pinions. So I'm going to do the four kind of S's that we can extract from this. I went to Bible college, so everything had to be like match or match or have alliteration or whatever. So we're going to stick with the S's that we can glean from this. And I just want to unpack this, the things that we can walk away, not only about having a clearer picture of who God is, but a clearer picture of what our responsibility is as a caregiver, as a discipler, as an influencer, whatever the word you would like to use. But we do indeed have this. So we're going to look at the first part. The first S is sight. In a desert land, he found him. Again, Moses had done a ton of wandering in the desert, even with his people. It was, there was wandering in a desert um, where, where he felt, I'm sure, isolated. But God found him. What an encouraging thing that God found him. Now, again, with God, we're never lost. He knows exactly where we are. Um, and the same thing was true of Moses. But I love this fact that he recognizes that God was looking for him. So the other part about this is um, later on, it talks about the eagle. So I am that person that geeks out about all things like, I mean, like when the Discovery Channel does anything about animals, when there is Shark Week, don't even bother calling me. Like I, am, I geek out so hard on sharks. I don't know what my deal is, but, um, but I, I love nature. So people are like, oh, did you become a vet? I'm like, no, because dogs throw up and cats, you know, uh, get sick. I don't want any of that part. I just love the way God has made animals. So I want to tell you, um, when it comes to eagles, eagles actually have, if you, if you already know this, then geeks unite. But um, they actually have two sets of eyes and three sets of eyelids. 
And the beautiful thing about the way, and they're not like wonky like here and here, but within their eye socket, they have the ability to totally look forward and also see the whole picture. That's amazing to me, like at the same time. And some of you, you think your mothers have that same gift. Like, how did she see that? That is freakish. My mother's an eagle. This is great, right? But we have this, um, this uh, ability as a Sherpa, as a discipler, as a, an influencer to help our students, our kids, our, those that entrusted to us to not only see the things ahead, but the whole picture. This has been a hard season for all of us. This, this COVID season has been hard. And I love the idea that if God gives us this vision, this ability to see not only ahead of us but around, we can see that he has been at work even when this season has been really tough. That we can, we can say to our kids, we can say to those around us, man, I know God is at work. We're really, we often just focus on what's ahead of us, but God is so much bigger than that, and he's not limited to that which is ahead, but he sees the whole picture. So um, when our kids were really young, my husband was a worship pastor in Bakersfield, California, and before you get jealous, um, we actually called Bakersfield the Nineveh of California. It was, not, it was not a great place to live. However, it had a super cool restaurant called the Pizza Market. So Pizza Market was much like a Chuck E. Cheese Right? But it was owned by Christians. They had, they'd always play Veggie Tales, but it was the same premise. Uh, $27 for a pizza that was like cardboard with attitude. Like it was terrible pizza, right? Um, and they had all these games that the kids can play, a ball pit. Like it was, it was supersonic. But my kids' favorite portion was this wall of prizes that you could earn with tickets. And let's be honest. Any, any of us with any, um, you know, any age, we can look at that and we can say, if that's about $4 worth of prizes for 987,000 tickets, right? It was so, the markup was, it was a scam in Jesus' name. It was bad, right? And, but my kids were obsessed with these things called sticky hands. Ugh. I hated those things. I hated them with a passion. And as much as I hated them, they loved them. We're going to get sticky hands. Sticky hands is the best and I just, oh, right? There are those things that kind of bug you. I mean, I, it was super bug for me. Sticky hands were like this gelatinous. It had like a, I don't even know. It was like this big arm of, I don't even, Chewbacca snot is really what it reminded me of. And it had a little hand on the end. And my kids would throw it up against the wall, and it would stick. And they'd be like, oh, that is the best ever. Stick. And I'm like, I don't know what about it, but it just did not work for me. And they would stick it, and then it would get to a place that if they did it too many times, then it started to crawl down the wall, which also, not a very charming way of looking at things. And then the grossest, the coup de grace for me, that I couldn't take it anymore, is when it would fall down and get on the carpet. And then it was like hairy Chewbacca snot. Like, it was the grossest thing ever. But my kids were obsessed and one time we were going, I was going to meet a friend, and the kids were like, we're going to get sticky hands, it's going to be the best. And, you know, they'd been saving up all their tickets, and oh, Lord Jesus. And so we get to the place, I give the kids a couple of tokens, off they go. Our son could play forever, like seriously, he could live off tokens forever. Our daughter, on the other hand, has lots of talents, but um, getting tickets not on that list. So she comes to the source. See, what you don't know is, because you don't know me yet, but... Some women have the gift of hospitality. Some women have the gift of mercy. I have the gift of skee-ball. Boom, right? 
I do. I can't help it. It's, it's not a brag if it's true, y'all. It's true. I am really good at skee-ball. Somebody told me the, the secret behind it. And so I seriously get all the time. Most of the time, most people, most no normal common people maybe get five tickets if they are super good, right? On average, I would get 12. So my daughter came to me, and she was about 20 tickets short. She had a couple tokens, and she knew I was the person. So I said, sure, yeah, not a problem. So I go, and I play the first game, and I get 12 tickets, right? I earn 12 tickets, yes, so good. And the tickets start coming out, two, four, six, eight, and then all of a sudden past 10, 12, it just keeps going. Oh my gosh, y'all. Now, first of all, I only, I only earned 12 tickets, right? But it just kept going. And so my kids are like, Jesus is Lord, yes, right? They're like, sticky hands, this is great. I mean, they were just, they were counting the number of sticky hands as it was coming out. I was like, no, 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 no. Y'all, we, we earned 12 tickets. Like, you can't, and uh, this, these aren't our tickets. You can't do this. And they were like, but it's, I said, it's okay. Go get an employee and have them come back and we'll, we'll unpack this. But they were like, God is so good. They're doing their little dance as they go. The employee comes and he says, that's a lot of tickets there. That's a lot of tickets. And I said, I know. We only earned 12, and it just keeps. And they, he said, well, um, it's nobody's fault, really. So the whole thing is yours. The entirety of the ticket spindle had totally, I mean, I had hundreds of tickets in my hand. Like, it was heavy to hold up. My kids are like, sticky hands for everyone. Like, they just thought it was the coolest thing ever. But then this little girl, like, pulled on my pant leg. This little girl from the restaurant, she says, excuse me, can I have tickets? Can I have some tickets? And I was like, oh, of course you can, sweet girl. And I look at my kids, and they're like, <laughs> I said, um, kids, I, you know, moms, we do have this thing. We do a thing with our neck when we're serious, right? We're like, um, kids, right? I did the um, kids. Um, kids. We, didn't, we only deserved 12 tickets, and look all these tickets we got. We're going to share, right? Okay. <laughs> Our daughter takes two tickets. You can have two tickets. I'm like, are you kidding me? We got all these tickets. We, d we deserve 12. And this is, so this was a teachable moment. This was the opportunity for me as a parent to not only teach them the tickets ahead, but the full vision of what this looks like. I said, kids, this is like grace. We did not get what we deserve because, frankly, what we deserve is sin and death. But instead, Jesus continues to give us grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And it's our responsibility to be willing to share that freely. Judah says, okay, here's two more tickets, right? <laughs> but the truth is, we, that, what an honor, what a cool responsibility as a Sherpa, as, a, as an influencer, as a discipler. To allow people, to allow the people that we come in contact to see this, the, the way that God sees things, the sight of God. In a desert land, he found him. I don't know about you, but I'm so encouraged about the fact that the God who made heaven and earth cares about our concerns right now. And that in our desert land, he finds us. And again, we are, we're never out of his sight, but Moses made this point to make sure he understood, no, God found me. And he finds us. What an encouragement. So the first part is sight. The second, the second S is storm. Now, this is not the fun part to talk about. Let's be honest. Again, in a desert land, he found him in a barren and howling waste. 
Doesn't that sound like a Hallmark card, right? But some of us, again, in this last year, it's felt like a barren and howling waste. We've just felt like, enough already. And all the tumult, all the political tumult, all the interpersonal tumult, it's been crazy. At the beginning, I was like, oh, this will be such a good time with my people, my family. We'll just have all this time. And like two weeks in, I'm like, I'm selling them all on eBay. I can't do this anymore, right? But it felt like that. In fact, during COVID, I lost a job I loved. We actually moved to Prescott for this job because God called us to um, this particular ministry. And it was crushing. And, um, and it was hard to walk our kids through it. They're old enough to understand what was going on, and we had lots of really hard conversations about the fact that um, God was with us, even in our barren and howling waste, which is what it felt like. So let's go back to the eagle for a second. This is so interesting. Eagles get excited when a storm comes. They get totally stoked about it. Uh, my research says this. An eagle uses the storm's wind to lift himself higher, far above the clouds. In the meantime, all the other birds hide in the leaves and branches and trees. A good parent, a good Sherpa, a good discipler promotes the bravery and trust in God. So they encourage the people that they mentor that despite the storm, God is large and in charge. And that God is working in our best interest. Now, when we're in the middle of the storm, when it feels like a barren and howling waste, it doesn't always feel like, wow, I could just, just God's all over this. And yet he is. And we have the opportunity to let our kids know, to encourage our kids. Yes, we are in the middle of the storm. By the way, Jesus never said, come to me and I will make life easy. Come to me and you will have no barren and howling wasteland. He said, rejoice, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's what he said to the Apostle Paul. And he said, in this world, you will have trouble. Guess what? That sounds a lot like barren and howling waste to me. And yet we have the opportunity to not only know God, but to give our kids the opportunity to see, despite the storm, in the middle of the storm, that God is working in their best interest. The next part is support. Moses says about God, he shielded him and cared for him. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Again, going back to that picture of God. He shielded him and cared for him. I love the idea of this protection of God, the shielding. And it go, if we go back to the eagle, I've watched way too many hours. I know there's like nerd and then there's like super nerd. I'm afraid that I probably have a cape somewhere for super, super nerd. But I love to watch eagles protecting there's something so beautiful about, especially when there's little, the, the eggs have just hatched or whatever, that those parents, both of them, both the mom and the dad, will spread their wings over their children. And I love that idea, but then we need to get real. The protection of the wings, if you think about it, if the storm is howling, right, if there's a storm and that eagle's doing his or her thing, there's still rainwater that gets through those wings onto those babies. There's still wind that will make its way through those wings. And I want to encourage you and I want to encourage me to remember that in the storm and the crazy and the tumult of life, in the difficulties of life, that nothing befalls us, nothing happens to us that hasn't gone through the filter of God's wings. There's nothing that you're, go nothing that you're going through is shocking to God. 
He never says, wow, I did not see that coming. Holy Spirit, did you see that coming? Jesus, did you? That is crazy. Never. He knows and he protects. And as a discipler, as a Sherpa, as a caregiver, we need to remember not only the protection of his wings, but the care that he gives in the midst of that protection. And that it can be difficult. Now, what I think is interesting is, as a mom, I think we, and it's not we get a bad rap, but there's often, like, in, on TV, moms are uh, often um, depicted as the ones who try to helicopter their kids. You know, like, you're not preparing the kids for the hard road, you're preparing the road for your kids. You know, that kind of thing. And I just want to say, this has been a challenge for me as a mom is I want my kids to be happy and do all the things. But sometimes those things that God allows through his wings are exactly what they need to learn. My husband, uh, his whole family uh, is fantastic. I actually, I I scored when it came to in-laws for sure. His grandmother was this wise woman who tried to pour into me. She was brilliant with plants, like everything. And I am that person that... um, Plants die at my house. Like, it is, a, it is a slow, painful death if you bring a plant to my house. When people come to the house for dinner and I say, no, no, don't bring anything, just come, it's great, they always bring a plant. And when they do, I can hear the other plants in the house going, run, run while you can, get out, right? The worst. But Grandma D was amazing. She was incredible. And they bought a new house outside of San Diego years ago. And when they, when they bought the house, she could see all the potential of the garden, but she saw this beautiful citrus tree in the middle of the backyard. But it didn't seem to be producing fruit. So she put her mind to it and she said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that. That tree is going to produce fruit. So she gets all the books. She reads all the things. This is way before you could say, hey, Siri, how do I grow a tree? I mean, this was way before this, right? So she actually did research, bought books, and um, did all the things inside of it. She exhausted all of the options. So she called the Department of Agriculture in California, <laughs> which I didn't know there was like a helpline, but I guess there is. And she said, hi, um, I'm struggling with this tree. She gave him the whole background, and the woman said, well, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? Went through the, exhausted the whole list. And Grandma said, yeah, I've tried them all. And because she wasn't satisfied with this woman's answer, Grandma says, can I talk to your supervisor? (laughs) So I didn't know there was a supervisor of Department of Agriculture, but there is. And Grandma D talked to this man. And the man said, well, it sounds like you've done all the things right. He said, I do have one crazy suggestion, but you can't let your neighbors see you do this because they'll call the cops or do something crazy. He said, I want you to take a broom And I want you to hit as hard as you can the roots of that tree. Like all the way around, just take out all of your aggression. Just let that tree have it. She said, are are you serious? Like I've been taking care of this tree? And he says, no, no, I'm telling you. This is all I got. And wouldn't you know that next year, it grew so, it had so much fruit that they, the, they were that crazy church family that was like giving away fruit at church, right? Please, for the love of all that's holy, take an apple or take an orange. You know, like they gave, it was crazy. In their case, it was grapefruit. But I will tell you that when she called, she called the man back and she said, I just wanted to tell you what worked, but I need to know why. And he said, oftentimes trees do not produce fruit when they are not stimulated. And the only way to stimulate a tree like that is to make sure that you rough it up a bit and that its roots are stimulated. And you know what? That preaches as a parent. Because, again, there are times I just want to protect my kids from everything. 
The first time some, some boy broke my daughter's heart, I wanted to punch him squarely in the neck. I did. I did. But you know what? That's how you learn. You make mistakes and you learn. So she is graduating from uh, our community college with her AA in a week. And she's moving to Phoenix. She wants to do theater, which is fantastic. And we were hiking. And she said, hey, mom, can I talk to you? And I said, of course. She says, I'm afraid. And I said, well, what are you afraid of? And she says, I'm afraid of making mistakes. And I said, oh, you are going to make so many mistakes. <laughs> like, wow, thanks, mom. And I said, no, that's a good thing. Guess what? That is the best way to learn. Some of my most valuable lessons as I learned to adult was skinning my knee on life, was falling down, sometimes even face planting in life. Because you learn the, the muscles of dusting yourself off and picking yourself up and continuing to move. That's where you get those. And so as a loving parent, God protects, but he does not prevent. So we have sight, we have storm, we have support, and then we have strength. Oh, I love this. He guarded him as the apple of his eye. Now, as a Texan, we have, like, silly names for, like, sweet pea and love bug. And, I, you know, I'm sure my kids will be in therapy over that someday. But I love that Moses uses this terminology that actually goes through the, um, through the Old Testament and even talks about the nation of Israel being the apple of God's eye. He guarded him as the apple of his eye, meaning treasured possession. And we as caregivers have the opportunity not only to tell students and, and, and kids in our lives that they are treasured, but to recognize that we too are treasured, that we too are important. But here's where it gets fun to me. So I'm going to keep reading. Um, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. That just sounds so poetic. But let me tell you what eagles actually do. Are you ready? Buckle up, buttercup. It's going to get good, right? The mothers throw the kids out. They literally chuck the kids out when they're, then they need to learn how to fly. I love that. Somebody actually, like one of the researchers used that term. I'm like, oh, you chuck them out. Like, you know, the Bible says train up a child in the way they should go. So train up a child in the way you should chuck them out, right? Just let them go. But this is how they learn how to fly. She chucks them out. They crawl back in like, oh, gosh. She throws them back out. And then she chucks them far enough that they just fly out so, so far that they, like the, they totally clear the nest. And they fall. Ah! And they're shrieking. Dad comes and whoo, picks them up. But you know what? They learned from the fall. They learned. And they continue to do that until the kid knows how to fly, which I think is this beautiful picture because we think of God as just like, again, um, loving us so much that he wouldn't let it, anything happen. But you know what? He loves us enough to let us fly. He loves us enough. And we have the opportunity to, again, say to students, God is crazy about you. So crazy. He doesn't want you to stay where you are. He wants, you to, pu he wants to push you or chuck you. Uh, so that you can grow, so that you can fly, because that's what we were made to do. So when um, the kids were super little, the first time I spoke at a camp, and they were old enough to ride the zip line. If you've ever ridden a zip line, they are so super fun. And um, I went to this camp, and I was speaking, and I said, hey, any chance my kids could do the zip line? And they said, yeah, they're kind of young, but it's, I'm sure it's going to be fine. So they, you know, got them all straddled in. They had all, the, all of this, you know, um, equipment that they put them in tie them to a line, and then off they go. It's terribly safe for them to do this, right? So we get them all harnessed, and they're doing whatever. And I say to the camp employee, um, 
so how long have you been doing this? She's like, I mean, like two weeks. I mean, like it always scares me. But I, but I said, you know, where they're totally safe. She said, they're totally safe. And I said, I think they're going to love this. But then when they got to the edge, when both kids got to the edge, they were at first like, oh, this will be great. This will be great. And they get to the edge and they're like, I, I don't know. I, I don't. And I turned to this employee and I said, this is when I won my Mother of the Year award, just so you know. This is when it happened. I said, hey, can I push them? <laughs> and she says, I can neither confirm nor deny that you can push them. And I went, Phew. And both kids, they tr- like in their harness on the zip line as they're going, they turn around and they're like, what were you? <laughs> I knew they would love it. But they had to make that step. As a parent, as a, as a neighbor, as a friend, we have the opportunity to say to kids, again, you were designed to fly, but you got to take the step. I'll be with you, and I may even push you a little. But as God loves his people and pushes us, we can do the same for them. In a desert land, he found him. In a barren and howling waste, he shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple, the treasure of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them. Oh, I love that. Carries them aloft. So we've looked at this great picture of God. The worship songs pointed us to this great picture of God. This is a beautiful picture of God. I'm going to leave you with one more picture of God for those visual learners in the room like me. So when I, uh, when I was getting my undergraduate degree, I was attending Grand Canyon University. Lopes up. Yes. Um, Some of you are like, my money goes there. Yes, it does. Um, But I loved my experience there, but I had to take a history class, and I'm not a history fan. Like, I actually love school, but history, history, I'm sorry if you teach high school history, but all my teachers were like, blah, 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 dead people, blah, 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 dates, blah, 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 test. That's really all I remember from high school. And so when somebody said, oh, well, you know what? You need, to take, um, you need to take history at the community college. They have the coolest teacher there. He will, lo- he will make you love history. And I'm like, wow, well, that will be a neat trick because I really don't like it. They said, oh, you're going to love him. He's German. He's a little hard to understand, but you're going to love him. I'm like, all right. So I, so I go, and the, the, from the very minute I got in that class, this professor won my heart. He was German. And his accent was very sick. It was hard to understand him at times. So I would sit at the end of my chair just to listen to him because I could not get enough of the accent. I mean, it was so fantastic. And he loved his subject matter. He was that teacher that was super passionate. He couldn't wait to tell us the next thing. And oftentimes at the end of class, he would take historical um, events and he would make it like it was a, um, a National Enquirer thing. So he'd be like, Marie Antoinette was popular with the boys, if you know what I mean. <laughs> like, we do, we do. (laughs) So we went through history, and again, I was sad when the last day of class was coming, truly, because he just, he was so passionate, and he taught us how to love history. And somebody says, Dr. Kirkenmeyer, how did you end up in Glendale, Arizona, from Germany? He says, this is a good story. When I was four years old, my father went to the war to fight for the Germans, and he taught me two things. He told me as he left, we hate the enemy. And you are the man of the house. It is your job to protect the family. He says, I was four years old. But I took my jobs very seriously. He says, and I hated the Americans. I hated the British. I hated the enemy. And he went on to explain that when the Americans and Brits would take a town, when they would win a town, 
one of the ways they would show their superiority is they would often drive a tank through the middle of the town just to kind of parade their superiority, to communicate Here's the deal. And so, um, and so he says, I remember the days that the Americans won our town. He says, and I remember being so angry. They, I hated them so much. They took my father, and I was so angry with them. He says, our house was one of the last ones in the town. So I stood in front of my house with my arms stretched out because I was the protector of the family. He says, and I made the meanest German face a five-year-old can make. It was mean. <laughs> He says, on the tank it came, and I snarled, and I made the face, and the tank came. He says, and it opened up, and I saw something I'd never seen before. He says, out of that tank was a person of color. I'd never seen a black person before. It was totally new to me. His skin was so black, and his teeth were so white, because he smiled at me. He says, I hated him so much, and yet he smiled Melted my heart. He says, and he reached into the tank and he pulled out a Hershey bar. And he says, to this day, I love black people and I love Hershey bars. <laughs> and he says, and I promised myself at that age that I would come to America and return the favor. That brave soldier who when I look back at it, I'm like, those are probably, I mean, Hershey bars were, that, that's more than rations. That is, that is golden. That was probably a gift from home. That brave soldier changed the trajectory of that young man's life. That brave soldier became a discipler, became a mentor, became a game changer for that young life. And as a parent, as a, an aunt, as a whatever it is that you do, Cub Scout leader, you have the opportunity, I have the opportunity to change the trajectory of young lives by pouring into them and to remind them that God did the same for you. Sent his son down to earth and gave us grace that we did not deserve because of his great love for us. So what a, what a beautiful opportunity. I'm, I, I'm not going to apologize for getting emotional on Mother's Day, but I am both um, honored by the fact that God allowed me to be a parent and humbled by the responsibility that I have as a parent to cha train up my children the way they should go, but also the kids in the neighborhood and the kids in my youth group and the kids that God sends me at the grocery store. And you and I have the opportunity to make a difference. I saw a great quote from Abraham Lincoln. I totally love this. No man is poor who has a godly mother. And not to add to honest Abe, but no child is poor who has a godly community to come alongside him or her. And that's where you and I come in. That's where you and I get to be the light. That's where we get to be the Dr. Kirkenmeyers of this world. Father God, thank you so much for this beautiful picture of a parent eagle loving on their young, and how we can glean from that. Not only that you've done that for us and given us the opportunity to do that for others, but, Father, this beautiful picture that can remind us and encourage us. God, as the, as the band comes uh, to play one last song, God, may, may we be reminded <laughs> that you turn graves into gardens, that you, that you turn bones into armies, God, you're the only one who can, and I pray, Father, that we would be reminded, but God, as we sing this last song, may we celebrate you, the great I am.
the perfect parent. And may we as mothers and wives and friends and aunts and disciples be encouraged by that. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to leave this with you. Again, Mother's Day has not always been, hard, uh, not always been easy for the niece family. As I have explained to some of you, we were actually due with a child on Mother's Day. That was my due date, and we lost that pregnancy. And so Mother's Day is always hard. Like, I always think of that child, even though I have two really cute kids. I still think of that child. We were married nine years that we could get pregnant. We just couldn't stay pregnant, so it was hard. I didn't always have a great relationship with my mom. I never had a great relationship with my mother-in-law. So Mother's Day can be difficult. So if that's you, I just want to say, I'm sorry. I feel it. I connect with you. But I hope that you take that energy and you and, you and I can join and take that energy and become the game changers that God has called each of us to be. God bless you and happy Mother's Day.